Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Asamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Fladlin plays V. Noxherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuan-Ti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, fantasy violence, gore, monsters and monstrosity, death of loved ones, and psychological trauma. Arc 6, Episode 5. Gored into Creation Gorgeous. From When I Am Queen, by Justin Philip Reed. The kiss between Shu Hai Miao and Dr. Hitsagaten Aluso is tender, gentle, loving. Shu Hai holds the good doctor like they're made of something delicate and radiant, beautiful in its fragility, starlight. They kiss her like it's the last kiss they know they're ever gonna get. And then they pull away. They look deeply into Hitsagaten's eyes, their own mismatched gaze, scanning, probing, searching for something. Their face darkens, softens, like dusk turning down the horizon. Dr. Aluso stares back, wide-eyed, breathless, for once in his life at a loss for words. And then Shuhai Miao takes Hitsagaten's hand and threads their fingers together. The weave tenses, shivers, ripples. Reality vibrates around them and then poof! Just like that, they're gone. Oka, you are flat on your ass, covered in batter, mayonnaise, and raw octopus from the takoyaki stand you crashed into. What do you do? Oka has not taken a single breath this entire time. And I think the, like, the octopus just kind of, like, rolls off of their shoulder and onto their hand. And they just stare blankly, unable to comprehend what has just happened. And they stare. And then finally one breath comes. And a second breath comes as 
their hair gets longer, starts to grow and shag down their neck a little bit, and they just sit there breathing really heavily, unable to move or make a single sound. Mercy leaps into action. Uh, she runs forward toward you, Oka. Oka! Oka! Sivali! I- you were gone! You were- Oka! Shuhai! Hitsaga! Oka! Uh, and Mercy's almost like a dog, overstimulated, like, looking at, like, ten different things that have happened and are happening, and she's decided to focus on you. Uh, she shakes her head, clears it, right? Like, puts blinders on and rushes to your side, right? Her, like, red ponytail whipping. And, like, she gets down onto her knees next to you and is, like, like, hold- like, holding onto your arms. Oka, Oka, hey, 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 what's happening? Don't touch me! Don't touch me! Your hair, (laughs) Oka, it's- (laughs) it's- it's growing. What about my hair, Mercy? I said it's growing. That's what we're really focusing on right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... Uh, do you want me to focus on the fact that, that the previous paragon of, of Sen is, is here and to, and kissed and went and left and hits Agatin and... Oka grabs the front of Mercy's shirt and their fingers are kind of longer than they were before, I think. Uh, and their fingernails are a little sharper and I think even like tear into the kind of collars of her coat. <laughs> Mercy, where whoa, where whoa, are whoa. we? What where, is happening? Where is going on right? Kenongbo g- g- again? I think that ox cart and that dancer, this is it's 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 the, the same thing as when we first came. Your nails. How? What? And okay, I think let's go of her really suddenly kind of scrambles backward. A little bit back, kind of into the takoyaki cart. Try to shove it off. Sit, Lolly. Where did they? Where did they go? Where did they? Where did they go? I can try to find out. Sit, Lolly. And Mercy, upon hearing Oka say Sit, Lolly's name, whips around, looks at you wide-eyed. Sit, Lolly. Great fucking eight. And you see like her like shoulders, I think, slump down. Like she was carrying some sort of intense stress, knotting up her traps, but now they just sort of relax. You're here. I thought, gods, I don't know, up on that hill? What? Was that just a dream? Did anyone else remember being up on that hill and you were gone? Said Lolly, I was holding you and then you just, you were gone? Yeah, that happened. Um, that wasn't a dream, Mercy. That happened. Fuck. Um, Was that the weave? The weave leaving and your magic, so it it took you or something? No. It's... Let's let's focus on... And the voice just kind of trails off, and she just kind of drops to the ground and starts drawing the sigil for locate creature. Right, 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 right. Uh, As you draw the sigil of locate creature, Vasca kind of is noticing everything kind of slowly crumble in the morale of the party. And I imagine that parable is still within her hand and she kind of like swings it like an in, like an incense um, sensor. And it creates this light flute-like sound, like a whistling and will cast guidance on you, Sitlali. You'll have a d4 to add to an ability check of your choice. 
and we'll walk on over to Oka because your changes are intriguing for one who has looked upon you before. I think Oka kind of withers violently, if that makes sense, under your gaze, where like they look kind of like a scraggly rabid raccoon uh, that has been like, there's a flash flashlight that got shined on it as I think you look at them uh, and they kind of scramble a little bit and then just kind of grab onto their own arms and they uh, distinctly look down and away from you. She approaches and she stands like an arm span away from you, kind of noticing the recoil. Is everything okay, Oka? <laughs> um, loaded question, Vasca. Is everything okay with you? I am admittedly very confused at the current state of affairs, but I am concerned is all. You seem rattled, and I wanted to make sure you were okay before we press on forward for the doctor, yes? I don't really think it matters if I'm okay or not. We have to go. We we have we have to figure out huh, huh, we need to figure out what's going on, so we need to go. So Lolly's working on I need to go. I know. Breathe. And, and when she says that there's almost like a haze that covers the gray iris upon her eye as if she is her own breath is exhaled through the colors of her iris and i think in proportion oka's like double pupils are both blown like kind of wide and i think they get like even bigger where like it's like the inky blackness of their pupils are starting to like eat up the color of their eye but they breathe, and I think on the exhale, like their mouth kind of opens, mm -hmm. uh, and their teeth are definitely sharper than they were before. Definitely mm -hmm. sharper, just a little bit. And I think like even the way their their jaw comes forward is like a little bit more distended and a little bit less humanoid. But they breathe, and they look a little bit more calm. I think even if their eyes like kind of continue to like dart right passed over your shoulder to sit lolly just to see like how fast the sigil is coming along i think while doing that vasca is going to take this opportunity to pull her flute from her belt and pre press it against her lips i would like to use vasca's flute and her magic to analyze oka's soul energy right now Let's see. She's not trying to touch you because you are not liking that right now. Make me an arcana check. All right, let's go. All right, that's a 13 plus 12, so 25. Oka, what does Vasca get with a 25? With a 25, you patched up Oka's soul. You are the one who literally did surgery on them, mm -hmm. right? Soul surgery to put, to knit, first of all, the pieces of the Oka soul together with the empty parts of the Celian soul. Mm -hmm. And I think 
to you, it becomes very clear that those sutures are starting to not come undone, but bleed into each other. Like the Celian soul is starting to eek and leak into Oka's. Like instead of them just being sewn together beautifully, they're starting to bleed into each other. Uh, and since there's part of Oka missing, there's not actually enough of themselves in themselves to keep the Celian from bleeding into them. When Vasca plays, there's this kind of like low hum, like a very deeply emotional flute song. And as she does that, there is like the tiniest wisps of light gold thread that kind of bolt, like pulls out of the notes. And as she plays, she lifts up her gaze, a hint of worry, concern, but keeps playing and attempts to hide it and closes her eyes after that brief moment of weakness to pretend that everything's all right. I want to know, while this is happening, how Dewey's been responding. Dewey is, I think in the background, he's like very quietly like, are there any more romantic relationships I don't know about in this party? Um, but no one hears them. And so everyone's fussing over Oak and he doesn't want to um, crowd them. Uh, so he's sort of like looking at the space where Shuhai Miao was standing. And I guess... They disappear, but he's like sort of looking for like disturbances in the ground, in the dirt in the ground, like any sign of what just happened. Uh, make an investigation check. Investigation. 19. Dewey, with your 19, you see that there's like a swirl of dust on the earth where Shuhai, Miao, and Dr. Luzo were standing. And the way that the weave had tensed felt familiar to you was conjuration magic. The same kind of magic that ensconces your bodies when you step on the teleportation dais. And Sitlali, you finish drawing the sigil on the ground, it glows, bing, and I think how it feels for you this time is almost like it's sonar, uh, bing, like radiating outward in search of Dr. Eluso, I'm assuming, is like the, the solo you're trying to ping onto, and it sweeps up the hill, right? Uh, invisible, uh, an invisible wave of force, uh, unfelt to anyone but yourself. And we also sort of see, like, from your perspective, this, like, arc of arcane energy just sweeping past trees, past vendors, past people twirling and dancing on stages, past the glowing crimson lanterns, past the smell of uh, fried squid and vegetables, past, you know, the laughter and the music uh, swaying all throughout various parties and balls, all the way up, 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 bing, toward that pagoda. And that's where you get another sonar ping, like, backward to you, the very top of that tower. Sidali notes that and looks back at Oka. Oka was injured, right? Minorly. Just a hair. Oh, wait, the weave's back. This is just going to keep being a thing during the loop of like, ah, weave. So I think Sidali just kind of plucks some magic out of the air and casts Healing Word at third level. You get 16 back. Back to full, baby. Sitlali starts to approach you very hesitantly, like one would approach a frightened animal and is like, hey, 
they're alive and they're still here. So we can go find him. Okay? I think Sitlali's presence actually is the only presence that softens the edges around Oka as they come forward. Kind of like the only person that a cat will let pet them, you know what I mean? It's very same vibe. And I think Oka kind of like untenses their shoulders a little. Yeah, we can we can go get we can go get them. You can take us there, right? You can you can take me there. Please, Sitlali, I ca- I can't lose them. And I think during the walk across, they had bitten down on the inside of her cheek, and like she Sitlali takes her thumb and pulls out a bit of blood and hesitantly offers it to Oka to see if they will let her touch their lip. The impulse that I just had, uh, well. I mean, you can do that too. (laughs) Yep, uh, Oka licks the blood off your thumb. I think just kind of without really even thinking about it, like like their black tongue just like drinks it. Yeah, and Sitlali casts Warding Bond. Mercy draws to her full height as you do this little blood magic between each other. Uh, and she's like, kind of like has frantic energy about her a bit. Uh, and I think she, she, if you will allow it, Sitlali, she like holds out an arm and is like, sort of always keeps a hand on you at all times. Like ever since you zap back and she noticed that you, you were here, she like her hands maybe on your shoulder now and she's just sort of talking to all of you like frenetically. All right, okay, okay, we know where they are. They're okay, that's good, that's good. We should go, right? Sitlali, you can shift us there, right? That's where they are. The pagoda, again. I can do it one more time before I have to rest for eight hours. Well, we don't have eight hours, but what are we gonna do with the rest of our time here? We have to, we have to get the doctor, right? Like if if we're down the doctor, I mean, who knows what Shuai is doing with the doctor up there? Shuai could be grilling them for details, could be- Well, I mean, we don't need to, we don't need to go into the what ifs of the situation, I don't think. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the doctor's a, you know, they're a teammate, and we don't, you know, hells yeah. don't, right. We, we we watch out for our own. Yes, I can do it one more time, so. Uh, but hey, Sitlali, once we get up there, do you think, do you think you could, and like, Mercy almost like pulls you aside from everyone else, right? Like in the middle of this conversation, do you think you could like not, I don't know, like if it's gonna be dangerous, just like let me, handle the danger, right? I've got my sword. We've got two, three freaking paragons with us. We, maybe we can just, you can just hang back. When have I ever been one to hang back from a fight, Mercy? I just don't want you to get hurt, okay? When you disappeared, that hurt. was, it was scary when you were gone, okay? I thought you were dead or that you had disintegrated, which felt worse okay. than you being dead because I couldn't even hold you. I did it. I used, and she just kind of holds up the cloak. Oh, what? You? Where did you? I thought you could only plane shift once. Where did you? I can, but this is different. Um, and like she's kind of petting the cloak, like self-consciously. It was my mentor's, and it um. And I learned the command word a while ago. I just hadn't, um, I didn't, I didn't mean to use it, but, um, I, listen, 
the night of the cataclysm is when Lonely showed up, and Lonely showed up again. So I got scared, Mercy, okay? I got scared, and I ran. Uh, oh. 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 But I thought Rev killed it. I thought Rev took it from your soul and, and stuck it in her scythe or something? But fuck, you're right. If it's the cataclysm, then I guess... Oh, okay. I don't know if it was really lonely or if it... It doesn't matter. I shouldn't have... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. It's... It's okay. I mean, it was an accident. You didn't intend to, so just don't... Just don't... Don't... Don't do that again, okay? I, I'm really freaked out, and, and I don't know if you're okay when you're gone, and I don't... I mean, I can swing a sword, but what we're dealing with here is, like, huge magic shit. You know what I mean? And I'm not a paragon. You're not a paragon either, but you've got... You've got the weave. You've got the Raven Queen's, you know, thing going on. And, and you're connected to Oka, and you can do blood stuff. And I... Just don't... Don't leave me again. Okay? Lolly tugs Mercy down by the shirt and kisses her. I will be... I will try to be... A little more careful. Thank you. Um, okay, all right then. Yes, everything is squared away. We, <clears throat> and Mercy is like picking up the shattered remnants of the takoyaki stand as like busy work to do, right? And like putting like the dirt covered squid and the blood covered, like scraping off mayonnaise from Oka's shoulders and just splatting it back into bowls, right? And the vendor this entire time has been shell-shocked standing behind the stall, just like staring at your party. Sorry about that, old man. Uh, all right, let's uh, shift some planes and kick some ass, huh? Some paragon ass. Or let's talk first and then kick ass if need be. You know what I mean. Yeah, everybody gather round. And I think Sitlali probably takes, like, Mercy and Oka's hand, if Oka will allow it. Okay. Uh, as all of you crowd around Sitlali and Sitlali holds on to Oka and Mercy's hands... Uh, all of you feel that same weird kind of warping sensation as the weave just kind of tightens like a tapestry being pulled taut all around you. And you see like the colors, the sounds, the smells, the sights that surround the bottom of this hill just all sort of elongate. Like they sort of pull along like threads of yarn being tugged from a ball. Like you see like the, the food vendor's face just sort of stretch horizontally outward. They all meld like putty and boom. Uh, it like releases like a rubber band going like slack again and wobbling into existence around you is the top of the hill. Sitlali, did you try to plane shift like right next to Dr. Aluso? Like, I think they were aiming next to the entrance of the pagoda because they have no idea what is inside. Fair. What fuckery is going on inside. I think wobbling around you are the various tall stalks of like bamboo trees, the various clusters of groves, right? Like this broad expanse of just like a grassy knoll all around you with the pagoda in the near, in the near distance, like uh, to the north of you. The pagoda still may be 300 feet away, right? You missed your mark by 300 feet, which is pretty good, you know, for a place you've only seen and visited once. Uh, and you see like these, Again, like this massive, like 80 story uh, tower with these beautiful wide eaves, right? With these like glazed bits of tile and ceramic. It's gorgeous. It's the biggest temple to send that exists in Endake. And that's where your party lands. 
I think as we all kind of come rubber banding into existence, uh, Oka lets out a bit of a yell and staggers forward uh, and like pinches the front of their head. Uh, and they're, uh, when they bring their hands away, they're a little bloody, almost like Sunder uh, with Old Mama Lightning, like just kind of coming down the edges of their faces. There are two little horns coming up uh, and out of the top of their head. Tiny now, but it's almost like that warping kind of like pulled it uh, and rubber banded it kind of back into their body. Uh, and they blink their eyes again in pain as they like touch this new uh, bone horn shard coming out of the top of their head. They turn to sit Lolly again. They give a really quick glance at Vasca with like just the tiniest bit of fear in it. And then their attention immediately turns upward to the top of the pagoda. What is up there? Can we see anything? Uh, uh, first, Mercy's gonna react. All of you just sort of hear a Raven Queen's farts! What the fuck? What? Oh god, what? Are you. Are you a tide wolf? What's happening? But the horns, are you shifting? What's. Huh? Huh? What? What? What do you want from me, Mercy? You've got, you've got the the, the whore, your skin, it's split the blood. And Oka's just kind of breathing hard and looking at her. Hey, 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 buddy, 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 hey, Oka, Oka, you're, it's 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 not even that big of a deal, right? And like Mercy's like looking back at the rest of you all. It's not. I mean, it's just. A little, I mean, I'm sure there's a reason for this. Polymorph. Right, that's a thing mages can do. That's not what's happening. <laughs> okay, Mrs. Know-It-All, how do you know what the fuck's happening to Oka? Mercy, please. What? what? Vasca flashes the coldest, most arctic gaze at Mercy for like the flash of a second before turning back to Oka. Oka. I know we do not have time right now, but you must allow me to look over you again. Why? Why? Uh, Vasca kind of like closes her eyes. I think my work upon you before is strained and becoming undone. I don't <laughs> know the cause, but perhaps I can repair it. <laughs> repair it, repair it. You, you, fucking repair it. It's not that easy, Mercy. There's a. It's fine for now, I think. And Sivali is like making pointed eye contact with Vasca. Um. It requires time. I do not have. We do not have. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, you know what? That's really helpful. Thanks, Vasca. You saved the day yet again. Yeah, one more life that you've just taken away from, you know, the darkness and thrust into the light. What, you're going to save Oka like you saved Atalanta? Mercy. Excuse me for being the only person who seems to give a shit or care that Oka's growing fucking lamb horns out of their forehead. They're Telian. Mercy. Huh? 
Tilian. <laughs> no, I'm me. I'm me. I'm me. I'm me. I'm fine. And I think Sitlali shoots another very pointed, very loaded, very heavy look at Vasca. And then just kind of looks around at the group. And why? Why do you keep? Why do the two of you keep looking at each other like that? What you Mercy think? You think I'm, I'm stupid? And I don't pick Mercy. up on this shit? I'm aware of social cues. I just ignore them on purpose. If we have time to sit here and be angry and throw around wild assumptions at one another, we have time to find the doctor. And Vasca marches forward, parable swinging in hand, stomps forward. Oh yeah, because you're so perfect. Uh, okay, hey, it's gonna be okay. All right, we'll figure it out. I can shave these down if you want. You know, horns, they should be painless. You know, it, it, it could be fun. You know, like we could like have like a headbutt contest, right? Dewey elbows Mercy. It's what I'm trying, trying to make it better. Okay, just, just stop. What? 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 Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay, we're gonna be okay. You're gonna be, you're gonna be fine. Uh, and she just kind of claps you on the back, like bracingly. They they just kind of take it and cough. And I think they're like holding on to, they're doing, oh my God, they're doing that thing again where they hold onto the front of their shirt when they're anxious, except they're like, like white knuckle gripping it with one hand as the other is kind of, uh, I think flexing impatiently with uh, on Dream Hunter's hilt, like on the back of their, on their back. Mm. And I think as all of you like turn and start to approach the pagoda 300 feet away, perhaps going over like a bridge to get to like the front huge stone steps that lead to the front double doors, you all hear a voice ringing out as clear as a prayer bell coming from the top of the pagoda, magically amplified so every word is legible to all of you. In common, in your tongue, Shu Hai Miao's voice just say, I thought I told you to fuck off. And I think looking up, you all see, and we like zoom in right on like the very top floor, Shuhai Miao, uh, sort of leaning kind of almost disdainfully against a wooden banister on like an outer landing, I think, of the pagoda, like a balcony area. Uh, they're like beautiful, like dark green robes shot through with golden and silver embroidery, like flapping in the wind. They're like tall ponytail, I think also like uh, snapping and snagging like a, a flag on a breeze behind them. Uh, they're two like kind of like cold and serious looking eyes. One pure blue with two black pupils. The other a swirling miasma of different colors that change every time they blink, fixed upon your party 300 feet away from them. You all also see Dr. Aluso, also on the balcony, by the banister next to Shuhai, holding like the railing, and they're like looking, peering down like past their glasses, their hair, their short hair sort of like whipping in the wind that's like really tall and strong up there. And they're like shouting something, but because they're so far away and they don't have the same kind of like huge magical amplification that Shuhai Miao has, you can't exactly hear what they're saying. <laughs> I love to be a problem. <clears throat> Oka shouts back, uh, not magically amplified, but in their horrible little voice. Yeah, I really don't ever do what I'm told. 
Uh, and I would like to try to use my Radiant Soul. I think I tried it a few times last time, but we like cut it out a bunch. So I would like to try to use my Radiant Soul to fly. Roll a d20. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. Is anyone holding Hunter? I shit you not, natural 20. <laughs> Let's go. I shit you not. This, your radiant soul hasn't felt like this in a minute. Um, it bursts out of your back in flames, ripping through your robes, searing and singeing your flesh, radiant, huge, licking tongues of red explode out on either side of you, right? Uh, And I need whoever has established that they're holding on to Oka, maybe Dewey, to make a dexterity saving throw. Cool. Uh, 21. Is that sufficient? Is that your spell save DC? Does that beat it? It does. My spell save DC is an 18. Okay, so you take half damage. Uh, Dewey, tell me how you roll out of the way of Oka's fire wings unfurling. I think uh, Oka has looked a little bit unstable this whole time. So Dewey's like holding on, but like prepared for the worst. Uh, And he just sort of lets go and rolls to the side as Oka takes off. I feel feel like since we've traveled together so much, this is definitely not the first time that Oka's wings have come out and smacked you in the head. You know what I mean? I feel like you're used to it by by now. You're absolutely right. The fire, the fire does, uh, the flames surprise him a little bit. He's not used to that, but he rolls out of the way very deftly. You roll with more dexterity, I think, than most are used to when encountering you, but you you hit the ground, bam, you're out of the way. But the flames are so intense that I think part of your feathers become scorched and you're gonna take 16 points of fire damage. Uh, They also start to like ignite on the sleeves of your robes. uh, But as soon as the fire catches, some sort of like magical force quenches it, right? Like preventing your paragon robes from becoming sullied uh, as you roll and catch yourself on the ground. And Oka, you soar up into the air, I think careening a little, a little unstable, a little unsteady with these brand new fire wings. Like we hear the roaring and sizzling of fire and flame and crackling flesh just radiate off of Oka, little embers, I think sparking off of them and like onto the ground. Mercy goes, fucking eight as like a hail of just fire explodes in her face like a firecracker going off right she's like ah fuck this is put out your goddamn cigarette oka and how did you how's what what right as you're like (laughs) your wings keep going up uh up 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 into the sky and at the top of the tower all of you hear shuhai meow's voice continue to ring out oh i don't have time for this This is your last chance. Fuck off and let me work. I think from the ground, Silali casts Thaumaturgy on themselves to like amplify their voice and just goes, why? What are you doing? Maybe we can work together. No, you'll just get in the way. I, like I said, I don't have time for this, ironically. Fine, if you want to fight your little fight, I'll give you one. And you all see Shuhai at the top sort of swirl their arms in like a cycle above their head. And the constellation of Sen, which resembles a wheel in the night sky above you, begins to turn. 
like every pinprick, every star rotating. Uh, and you all feel the weave, like this is huge magic. This is big magic, right? Like the weave is sort of like Vasca. It feels similar to the Godshard of Nebusa just wrapping threads of fate and reality around that spindle as you feel like almost like a carousel start to take off of just like threads of the weave just turning and turning and turning and turning and turning. Like, and you see the wheel. And in the midst of the swirling, almost like a, the eye of a hurricane beginning to open up above your heads, dark green magic fills the center of uh, almost like Shuhai's opening a, 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 a portal to something above their head. Uh, but instead of, you know, sucking Kinongbo through it, they like sort of pull like their, their hand down, like they punch downward and you see something emerge from the sky. At first you see what seems to be like a black, almost like a, a talon. Uh, like the claw of a, a massive bird or something. And then like a, a full on like claw emerges, uh, ending in these sharp like black hooks uh, attached to this like arm uh, ridged with spikes, this kind of like reddish brown color arm, just spikes on the elbow. And it's attached to like a huge muscular arm that goes up to like a, a leathery body with like a, a head, a head that descends out of the sky, a massive mouth filled with just gnashing teeth with a snout that extends outward, right? And these two huge horns coming out above its head uh, as a Tarrasque uh, drops down out of the sky and lands with like two massive feet uh, in front of the pagoda, uh, like a long tail, like whipping around behind it with spines coming off of it and a massive like hard shell just ridged with spikes all the way down its back. And I need all of you to roll initiative. 19 on initiative for me. 16 for me. Uh, Dewey rolled a six. He rolled a two, but he has a plus four. 24. Okay. Top of the order. So it's, it's gonna be Sitlali. It's your group, Oka, like maybe like 20, 30 feet in the air above you. Uh, a massive, a gargantuan Tarrasque. It is huge. It's maybe 50 feet tall, right? It's like a massive, like a hulking beast, just like armored to the teeth with like gnashing fangs and claws as, as sharp as midnight uh, and the pagoda that you're trying to get to behind it. Okay, okay, okay. Silali, as a monster hunter, uh, it does not take a role for you to know that Tarasks are extinct. Uh, they were an alpha predator of a bygone age. They do not exist any longer. Some monster hunters even think they maybe never existed at all because like a full Tarask skeleton has never been found. Oh, cool, cool, tight, tight, tight. Love that for us. Um, so Sitlali sees that and has a moment of, could just put it back like we did with the chrysalis, but this seems different and worse at the same time. So maybe I won't try that right now. Um, and Sitlali casts Holy Aura on, oh, it doesn't say, it's an infinite number of creatures. So all of my allies, um, everybody has advantage on all saving throws and other creatures have disadvantage on attack rolls against you until the spell ends. 
and then I think they'll use their movement to just get closer trying to like specifically trying to see what Dr. Eluso is saying and like run her full movement which is 30 okay yeah focused on Dr. Eluso but also trying to keep track of where everyone is (laughs) okay totally so what does Holy Aura look like I think Sitlali digs her fingers into the weave around them and like pulls on the specifically the Raven Queen's presence and just kind of pushes it out from her chest and it's this like it's the same like pink, blues, purples, greens like all of these pastels just kind of like wash over their allies and like lingers and everyone kind of like shimmers a bit she just kind of looks at her own hands and is like fuck it is good to have you back Sitlali will take out their shield, replace their shield with their cane. I think they can kind of, like, go in the same holder on their back. Um, And not quite a... Like like an expedient movement towards the nearest bush and, like, take partial cover. Um, I have a plan for next turn. So, okay. Yes. That is the end of my turn. (laughs) Sounds good. I think you're able to find half cover behind a bush like because these bushes aren't huge they're made to be like beautiful right so like you like hide behind a bush a little bit like try to like like stealth your way like across this garden populated now by a tarasque and at the end of your turn you have a plus two bonus to ac and deck saves now so what's your ac plus two 20 would a 38 to hit hit you yeah i'd say it would Okay. This thing just, like, it lets out this, like, roar that just comes. It's so loud. Just thunder. You're sure everyone in Kinongbo can hear this thing as it lets out a... And it, like, whips its tail around. And this massive tail just smacks you. Like, it flattens the bush and it smacks you for... 24 points of bludgeoning damage. And as you fly through the... I think you you, you can try to stand your ground. Okay, make, make a strength save. Make a strength save. 30, 20. That is just sufficient. Uh, so you actually do not fly through the air and get knocked somewhere bad. Uh, tell me how you weather the blow. <laughs> I think... I think Sitlali and Oka in their sparring had focused a little bit on, like, tactical shield usage. And Sitlali, because it's a big creature and it's a massive tail, Sitlali has time to, like, vaguely track the trajectory and gets the shield up just in time to, like, still take the damage, but, like, hold the, like, their ground. I think for flavor's sake, maybe you dig your heels in and you get pushed back. But then you're able to, like, not spend speed to do this, like, get back to where you were, right? Like, walk forward. But damn, did that blow hurt? I think it's just, like, the tip of its tail that got you, that whipped you kind of hard. And you felt your bones kind of uh, shudder within your armor. Sitlali, as you brace yourself and hurry back to the flattened shrub, I don't think you have cover anymore, but you're, you know, you didn't get knocked prone or flung to God's nowhere. I need you to make a concentration check. Yes, and that's con, and I have a plus two because of Holy Aura. That's a natural 20. Um, (laughs) uh, So 25, which is bigger than the damage I took, which was 24. Yes, it's half the damage you take. 
Okay, uh, so, so it would have been like 12 or something. Okay, so you're good, you're good. Holy Aura, stay standing, yep. Okay, uh, so now we're gonna go next in the initiative order and it's gonna be Oka. Oh yeah, uh, Oka, upon seeing an ancient beast uh, descend from a portal in the sky, probably has a very normal reaction to that. And I think they just kind of like, it probably like comes down right in front of them. And I think they just pull up like really hard, you know what I mean? Uh, and they like swivel off to the side. And I think they like do like a fucking dope ass somersault. Uh, and I think they like grab Dream Hunter off their back, like during the roll and they brandish it back out and are just gonna pretty immediately since I think they're probably right there on it. Uh, they are truly just gonna make like one swipe at whatever piece of this Tarrasque is closest to them with Dream Hunter. Make an attack roll. All right, Dream Hunter, let's do it. Come on, baby. Okay, uh, I should have a calculator out. What's 15 plus 12? 27. 27 to hit? That will hit. Oh, let's go. Okay, Dream Hunter has so many things. I actually haven't really even used it correctly ever in my lifetime. So as Dream Hunter cleaves against this thing's armor, where are you striking it? I assume it kind of came down at me. So I think like right kind of across the chest, just given how big it is. And Oga yes. kind of flies and cuts at the same time. Yes, you sort of cut at its like, leathery chest uh, and you see like a tiny little like paper cut wound like kind of open up, like it barely does enough to draw blood, uh, but it gashes. And as the flame licks up the blade, you see the fire just sort of dissipate uselessly against its chest because this thing is immune to fire damage. Okay, well, you know what? So am I. So who's really counting? Uh... <laughs> I am, technically. Uh, so I have another attack, so I'd like to roll another attack. Extra attack, baby. Uh, that's gonna be a 26 to hit. That will hit. Less than before. Excellent. Uh, even as, like, I think they, like, come down again, and I think they stab into it this time. Uh, like, they carve down it a little bit and then stab into it, almost to, like, get purchase against it, like, with their feet, like, against the monster, and they're just kind of hanging off of it with their sword stuck in, uh, and I am going to use my brand of tethering on that bad boy uh, okay. to attach myself. Uh, intricately kind of uh, sinking, normal to become part of the monster you're fighting, right? That's going to have absolutely no effect on Oka during the rest of this fight. I'm absolutely certain, actually, now that I'm thinking about it out loud, yeah, Oka definitely just kind of connects to its blood in that way, uh, draws it like up, uh, like kind of like the sword drinks it and it wraps around their hand. Totally normal, gonna be absolutely fine. Do the horns grow a little bit more? They might. Okay, sounds yep. good. Yeah, so I think you like punch slash slash like two little holes and like gashes against its chest. And by the time your two attacks are done, cause you dealt 88 damage total, it seems to notice you. Right? Like it's a massive head above you, like sort of like, like swings down and you see its beady little eye underneath its huge thick horn just flick down as it seems to realize that there's some sort of like gnat, some sort of like little mouse or insect like clinging onto its chest, hurting it a little, right? And you just hear like a low, almost like an alligator, like death rattle in like the bottom of its sternum go as it's like looking down at you. Is that the end of your turn? Yeah, I think Oka kind of still just like their eyes wild and vicious, just they immediately went to violence so fast and so easily 
uh, almost just like pure reaction. And I think they're kind of like braced against it, the sword like still dug into its chest and their feet kind of like propped against it, looking up and they make eye contact and I think they snarl back at it. Like a little, ma like they do, like a little monster. That's what they do. Okay, at the end of this little monster's turn, uh, the big monster is going to lift like a massive long like arm just brimming with muscle and like ending in these sharp like black talons and it's gonna like claw at you. So what is, it gets this advantage, right? What is your armor class? My armor class with all of my buffs, I believe is a 17. It hits, uh, and you are going to take 28 points of slashing damage uh, as its talons just break down your back, but that's halved because of the holy aura, so 14 points of slashing damage that Sitlali also takes. It's like trying to get you off of it, right? Like, and I think like this damage comes in the in the form of it using both of its claws to uh, 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 like sort of like scrape and claw and scratch at you while you're uh, like you're like rapidly clinging on to its leathery front. Uh, and by the end of that, we're gonna go next in the initiative order, which will be Voska. Oh, all of that did happen. I'm assuming Voska is noticing that Salali is looking as seconds go by worse and worse for wear. She's darting around and looking at everything. Oka is battling the Tarasque. So for my bonus action, Voska is going to use Tales from Beyond and I will roll um, specifically on Dewey. And I will roll a d10 to determine what tale it is. Okay, that is an eight, which is Tale of the Phantom. The target becomes invisible until the end of its next turn or until it hits a creature with an attack. If the target hits a creature with, a, with an attack during the invisibility, the creature it hits takes necrotic damage equal to a roll of my bardic inspiration die uh, and is frightened of the target until the end of the frightened creature's next turn. So you get a d10 from where an extra d10 of necrotic damage uh, should you do that? And you see uh, uh, the way Vasca spins this tail, she pulls out Parable and she swings the rope dart around, like anchoring it. And it's almost like a dance of Bharatanatyam, where she is just hop and stepping with these rigid, calculated steps. And within the spinning of the rope dart, flashes of images begin to play like, a, like an old time film. And it is of an Ar Arakokra with a bow and arrow poised and this bow and arrow is built out of like bone and like dark implements and metal and is just standing bravely about to shoot a large uh monster and releases this arrow and just unleashes this blessing upon you uh dewey and the music that's being played by the parable is like kind of like the shrill of an electric guitar as she spins this and she looks you in the eye and says, Oka needs you. And her eyes immediately dart towards um, Sitlali, the bright blue eye glowing with concern and with parable. I'm gonna, if if I may, her she's gonna move her full movement by launching parable towards the brush of the tree and swinging herself across towards uh, Sitlali. 
and she slides towards you, Salali. She looks you up and down, and if you will allow her, she touches like your the lower part of your forearm, points where, and I'll take us there. I think Salali points at the top where Dr. Luso is. And Vasco once again spins parable and this shrill of an electric guitar starts playing once more and she launches it forward almost creating like a door at the end of the arrowhead and it almost seems like the arrowhead is has launched itself inside of something holding it taut Vasca grabs you around the shoulder and leaps in using the tautness of the rope to swing in and we'll cast Dimension Door to get us to the top of the uh, pagoda around 500 feet worth of distance. Does that get us there? It would. Hell uh, if, yeah. If Shuhai Meow didn't counterspell it. Uh, okay, cool. So Roll for it. As, <laughs> uh, what level are you casting it at? I'm casting it at 7th level. Okay. They got a natural 19. Uh, so no! as, you, as you fling the rope dart forward, uh, this like door, this aperture sort of widens open in reality and you see Shuhai Miao right there. Like you could step like past it onto the top of the pagoda. You see them just sort of leaned over the bar- uh, banister. Uh, they're back to the fight and they're talking kind of almost casually with Dr. Aluso. Uh, who is also standing there. They're, Dr. Luce is sort of like pacing back and forth. They look anxious and they're sort of like peering over and they're looking back at you guys and peering over. Uh, and the conversation that they're in the middle of that this door opens into is Shuhai Miao is going, Sagu, you, you really don't remember me, do you? There's so much I need to catch you up on. <laughs> but I have so many questions as well. How did you, how did you survive? for so long. And Dr. Luso pauses at this in front of uh, Shu Hai and goes, I, pl- Paragon of Sen, I, I truly, again, have no idea what you're talking about, but please, my friends, they're they're my friends. Please, please de-summon the Tarrasque uh, and we can just talk about it, talk about what you need, talk about what we, Vaska, Sitlali. And Shu Hai turns and goes, I told you to fuck off and flings their hand forward and like the the doorway just bam, it just slams shut before you can go through it. And Parable's length goes like slack in your hands. That'll be the end of my turn. There's nothing else I can do. Okay. Okay. At the end of your turn, Vasca, the Tarrasque, still in the middle of clawing at Oka's, you know, where Oka's perched on its chest, sort of whirls around, thrashing its huge, muscular, sharp body, and its massive foot comes up and starts to slam down, I think, on where Sitlali, you, and Vaska are. But I think it's specifically, because this only actually hits, you know what, why don't the two of you, why don't the two of you make a deck save for me? It's not gonna save. That's a, that's a 13 for me. I can't tell if you got a natural 20 or a nat 1, and I'm mad about it either way. The natural one. <sighs> okay. Let me use a dice roller as usual. I've just been using averages, but I want to use a dice roller for it. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Half damage for you, Vasca. Full damage for Sitlali and something else on a nat 1. 
uh, as its massive clawed foot slams down on both of you, uh, full damage is going to be 30 points of bludgeoning damage. So 15 is, is it halved. Uh, and I think, Vasco, you're able to roll out of the way like just in time. Oh. Uh, but you see Sitlali, like a shadow, just fall over Sitlali's body as its foot comes down and bam, you don't see Sitlali anymore. Like at all. And I will resolve what that nat one means when it's the Tarask's turn, I think. Uh, but I think it'll mean you're definitely at least prone, right? Uh, you're at least prone. Sitlali, what are you at now? Uh Let's see, 88. Sounds good. Uh, so next up is going to be Dewey. Okay, so Dewey knows, so Vasco was like, Oka needs you. Uh, and Oka's on the Tarrasque. But, but Dewey's Dewey, uh, and going up against this enormous creature seems unwise. Uh, so he's going to do, he's invisible. He's going to fly, his 50 feet towards what looks like towards the terrasque. Um and then I guess he takes he takes off his glasses. Um and then I guess you can't see him do this, but you see the, the glasses go in an arc uh over the terrasque uh because he's tossed them and then you follow them as they arc over the terrasque and then you hear, um, you hear him say very quietly, you remember Infoportation? Uh, and then <laughs> at the other end of where the glasses are falling, his feathered hand snatches them out of the air, and he reappears on the other side of the Tarrasque, uh, and puts them back on his face. I love how this badass moment is completely unseen by anyone else in the party. <laughs> Fuck. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Always foiled, my, my badass plans. Um, he's going to snatch them out of the air, place them back on his face, and then point at Shu Hai Miao, who is now 120 feet away and he's going to cast Hypnotic Pattern. <laughs> okay. Uh, which creates a twisting pattern of colors that weaves through the air, um, that appears for a moment and then vanishes. Okay. Um, I think he's going to make it, he's going to make it look like what it looked like when the Tarrasque came out of the sky, um, because that's the most, that threw Dewey off so much, and he's assuming that Shuhai Miao would think that no one else is going to be able to do that. So he makes it look like that, and then it vanishes, uh, and each creature in the area who can see it must make a wisdom save. So Dr. Luso included? <laughs> I, I guess. Okay. Against what's the DC? 18. Okay, uh, so as a swirling pattern appears at the top and you fling your invisible uh, feathered wing out, right? The we see it like light up Shu Hai Miao and Dr. Luso's faces as they're at the top talking to each other. And you see both of them pause, like almost at the same time they look at it. And then like at the same time they look back at each other and keep talking. Dewey, as you flap there in midair, maybe staring a little bit in disbelief at your spell that just completely fails to phase either Dr. Luso or Shu Hai Miao. You hear Dusty's voice in your head echo, Uh, it's okay, Dad. I I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, remember Infoportation? I sure do. 
That was that was a pretty badass line, Dad. Uh, thanks. Uh, you did great. I I wish <laughs> I wish I had something more impressive to show you. No, that was that was really really impressive. I mean, I wish I wish they saw. I mean, I wish anyone yeah. saw. That would have been nice. Because now they're just gonna think we're lying uh, when we say we did stuff during that fight. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, you get used to it. Uh, but you did great. Proud of you. Thanks, Dad. Uh, and is, is that the end of your turn, Dewey? Yes. Dewey, at the end of your turn, several things happen. First off, you hear shouts. All of you hear shouts uh, coming from like the bottom of the top of the hill as we see people like are starting to come up mostly like armed soldiers, like the Royal Guard of Kinongbo are like marching through like the woods and like the forest, like with their are like their swords drawn, like crossbows drawn, air, like bows and arrows like at the ready. And we see like a, a captain of the guard just looking absolutely like what the fuck? Like they're here like what? Uh, like staring in disbelief at the scene <laughs> that's occurring. Uh, and we also see sort of cutting through the trees, sort of flying, almost like a like an arrow through the through the sky, is Zephyr. Uh, this peregrine falcon-like Aarakocra uh, has sort of like, like his arms are out, like flapping his wings. Uh, he's like sort of diving through, I think, the chaos uh, and is shouting in Jukan, like down at, I think, the troops and like the soldiers. Uh, and he sort of whirls through the air, actually, uh, and he draws his Najanata like in like a beautiful, dexterous, graceful motion as he whirls through the air and he starts to slash down at the Tarasque. Do we make a deck save? Not this shit again. You are invisible in the middle of the air. Um, I got a 15. Zephyr collides with you like midair. Two birds just poof, there's like a poof of feathers, and I think as you get hit, may uh, your invisibility doesn't come off because it wasn't you casting it. Uh, and I think Zephyr just goes, oh, "What? What?" Like, like exclaiming out loud. The two of you whirl through the air, and I think you smack onto the ground, right in like a chaotic tumble of feathers and dust and dirt and earth, like right by the feet of the Tarask. And I think the two of you, I think, break apart at the end, right? Like the two, like rolling. rolling rolling, rolling, and he sees Zephyr go, uh, 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 what, what the, what was that? Some sort of invisible- I am so sorry. Oh, what, what? Do you? Uh, Vasca, Do I can, have control? Does, does, do we have control over the invisibility? It doesn't really say. Uh, I think it ended when you casted a spell because that's how oh, invisibility sure. rules work. Wait. So sure, sure, sure. I think you'll f I think you will be out of it soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think when you when you hit the ground, the invisibility comes off, uh, and Zephyr tur like whirls on in feathers covered with dirt, whirls around and sees you. You, what are you? I were you? Did you? Were you in the? Were you invisible? I'm so sorry. Uh, yes. God, we have to stop meeting like this. Uh... Do you speak Jukan, Dewey? <laughs> no. So Zephyr was speaking in Jukan, but as you uh... say that in common, I assume, right? Zephyr switches over to common, like, fluidly. Ah, uh, my apologies. Keep meeting like this. Uh, don't worry about me. Just got run into concussion. You were doing great. 
thank, thank, thank you. Uh, I think you were look out. Uh, and Zephyr like dives forward and grabs you and tackles you out of the way as the Tarask is sort of like moving its huge feet and thrashing around. I think a tail swings by, but he like pins you to the ground as a tail sweeps over your heads, like ruffling the back of his head with the feathers. And I think you're like pinned underneath him as he's like, like flattened himself on top of you to like protect you from its massive tail swinging. Sorry about that. Are you all right? I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, you should get out of here. I am a scion of Kinongbo, and when Kinongbo is in trouble, I must stand to defend her. But you, you seem like, well, your robes are beautiful, but are, are you a civilian? You should get out of here. This place is dangerous. Yeah, uh, I'm well aware of that. Uh, seriously, it's like more dangerous than it looks. I know it looks bad. Uh, you should let us handle it. Uh, and I think on Zephyr going, uh, no, 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 I, I insist, please. I have been trained, uh, by the blade, by the arrow, by the bolt, by the knuckle. I know how to fight, defend Kinongbo. I don't exactly know what this is, but I do know that as, as long as my people stay strong and firm, we'll overcome this. During this inspirational speech, Dewey is wriggling his way out of, out from, <laughs> out from underneath. underneath Zephyr. Yeah, you're like, ah! Okay, yeah. It's like, I don't I, have time for this. Totally, totally, yeah. Um, and I think on that, we are going to go to this thing's turn. So, the first thing it's going to do is lift one of its hu ma massive, huge clawed feet off of Sitlali. And Sitlali, you are, you're in a crumpled heap underneath this thing. Uh, just make a concentration check. I think against the 30 damage he took. So 15 rounded down. The natural 17. You're good. Yeah, but you are, I think like little crumbled pieces of gravel and dirt sift off, off of it and like a plume of dust just over your body. And from your perspective, Sil Ali, everything's kind of hazy, kind of fuzzy. Your ears are ringing a little. Everything's really blurry. You see this huge shadow above your head, stars maybe, forming like a little halo over the massive maw of this creature. It's just sort of like like thrashing, almost like going on like a, a starting to like enter like a frenetic, frenzied, rampageous state. And it's going to just take in a massive mouthful of air and roar, like straight down at Oka and straight down at Gusit Lolly. And everyone who can hear it's like massive, mighty roar. I think that's all of you. Uh, make a constitution save. Oh, sit lolly, you're not one. I'm gonna give you disadvantage. A nine. We all have advantage, right? Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. right, we do. Except sit lolly, <laughs> who has disadvantage. I rolled a 19. 16 total for me. 30, 20. And. Okay, so Dewey and Vasca save, sit lolly and Oka do not. On a successful save, choose one. On a failure, choose two. So the, your three options are take a shitload of damage, let a hidden weakness slip, or answer a hard question. Let's start with the victors, Dewey. Which one do you pick? What's the third one option? Answer a hard question. That sounds like fun. Okay. So Dewey 
The hard question is what dreadful fear seizes me? I think uh, lying on the ground being knocked out of the air and having his spells fail and this thing looming over him is just driving home the point that maybe everything he does is going to be a failure. And I think like as this roar rings out, Zephyr ugh, like kind of winces and braces against it, like feathers ruffling, uh, looks down at you. And I think sees the terror like crossing openly through your face and this sense of failure, I think, just sort of like sagging at the edges of your feathers. Are you, are you okay? Huh? Um, yeah, are you okay? Yes, yes, my, my ears are ringing a little. And you see like him lift like a feathered hand up to one of his ears and you see like blood starting to trickle out, I think like down his temple and he like touches it and like, huh, like sort of like looks at his feathered fingers. I wasn't kidding, you should get out of here. You're hurt. No, no, I, I am sworn to protect Kinongbo. That's an oath I took the day I came of age and it is an oath I must uphold. These, these are not like your normal, look at that thing. No one, none of us are gonna be able to protect Kenongbo from it. I mean, maybe, but like, we've dealt with these things before and he rambles on. <laughs> I think as he ramble on, Zephyr actually like lowers like a, a feathered fingertip to your mouth and like quiets you almost, like puts it, like puts it on like your, your rambling lips and just says very seriously and stalwartly, like he believes every single word he says and you get the sense that he does. If I die, let me die, protecting the people and the places I love. That's what all of us signed up to do the day we agreed to protect Kinongbo from all trouble. You should flee if you're scared. I don't blame you. The rest of the citizens were trying to evacuate. There's no shame in running. I think Dewey starts to protest, but, but Zephyr's yeah, yeah. finger's yeah. still on his mouth. Totally. And I think we cut from Dewey to Vosca. Uh, so which one of the three did you pick? Wouldn't it be juicy to have the stony, icy, unbreakable wall finally show weakness? Okay. What hidden weakness slips? Vosca is slammed onto the ground. Not as much of a crumpled heap as Sitlali, but she is lying on her stomach and she uses the sharp end of her rope dart to like lean up and look at Sitlali as Sitlali's crumpled form emerges from underneath this massive foot of this creature. And there is a paralyzing fear. Her eyes are trembling, almost a lick, a glisten of tears are pooling at the edges of her eyelids and it, her mouth agape and a shaking of her entire body. She's too far, she's too far. She has to stop this, not now. Not again. I think as you look at Sitlali's crumpled body, maybe like 15, 20 feet away from where you've been flung, uh, you see like almost like another image superimpose itself over it, like crackle, crackle. Like, and Sitlali for an instant looks like Atalanta, right? Like blue hair, 
tiefling horns, this blue skin trident at her side, crumpled and broken, and then it's Sitlali, and then Atalanta, and then Sitlali as you blink, and you're like flashing back to this terrible trauma of losing, losing the only person you've ever loved in such a deep way. And I think you hear God in the middle of like this pit of, of terror and agony, you hear Mercy's voice cutting through the chaos, through the roar, the ringing cacophony of this creature, just sort of across the battlefield go, what, what the fuck are you doing, Voska? Get to Zilali. Uh And we like pan across the battlefield to see that Mercy's been flung by the tail. I think like, 50 feet away. She's like picked herself up and she's like booking it, but she's way too far uh, to get to Silali in time. Like you're closer. Bosca stands up to her full feet. And I know that we're not doing actions right now. Just weak and crumpled and she's swinging parable and kind of exactly like how she did with Dewey before begins this dance of rage. Her like Bharatanatyam, fierce steps as her feet are sideways and she just keeps slamming onto the ground, preparing to cast something with Parable and her dance. Tears in her eyes, dropping down her face, turning into ice. And perhaps if Silali will allow you are the only one party to this fierce terror and vulnerability that Voska is exhibiting, the tears pulling off of her face to form ice shards as she's swinging parable and dancing fiercely. I love that. Sitlali, through this haze, everything's just sort of pulsing, just pain, just oof, oof kind of dully reverberating through your body. You sort of see that huge foot like lift up almost in slow motion and your gaze sort of travels left and you see Voska. And for a, a split second, like glasses coming into focus, you see Voska's face like clarify and you see the terror and the fury and like the tears streaming down Voska's face. And I think almost dully, almost like, um, like it's someone else's realization bubbling in front of your consciousness. You get the sense of, huh, this isn't good. This is very bad. Like like a sense of impending doom, almost, uh, but you're kind of detached from your own body and your own emotion. You're just going through it very cerebrally. This thing is gonna make eight attacks. I think with your nat one, it targets you. It's an apex predator. You see it's like, like nostrils flare and like turn and look down at Sitlali. It knows when its prey is injured and it knows how to pick off the weak. And it doesn't spend its time fighting the strong when there's a meal to be had right there. That's easy pickings. So it is going to, I'm gonna have to roll a lot of dice, so just give me a minute. Okay, so here's the context. I shit you not, I rolled two nat 20s on two of its eight attacks. So how I, I treat it is I'm just, I rolled double dice for those attacks. Sitlali, you are going to take a total of 262 points of damage, which I think, I think that's an insta-kill. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, 
it reaches downward with Oka still stabbing, 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 slashing at its chest, right? It reaches downward with its huge talent and it just sort of picks Sitlali up, right? Like slowly, 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 like I think rocks and dust like crumbling off of her hair and then opens its massive maw and bites down. Like like its its mouth is so huge, it just holds Sitlali there, right? With its fangs piercing into her body, like cracking her, blood spurts, and it tosses its head in like a vicious motion once, twice, left, right, and then throws Sitlali's body onto the ground with an awful crunch and a spatter of blood. And Sitlali Thornheart dies. Sitlali, the ethereal plane, which is where you are now, severed from mind and body, just soul, is a perfect misty white replica of the now, the material. You see your own body, a crumpled heap underneath you, you floating some measure of distance above it, your friends... Their expressions of terror and grief, the massive monster howling and roaring, its voice deafened by layers of magic. You see the scene turn to cloudy white mist and just sweep away. And you feel yourself drift farther and farther and farther from the hard edges and sharp smells and bright colors and vibrant noises of the now into a place more muted and intangible, suffused with warm, blanketing darkness than you have ever experienced before. This white mist rolls in, thickens, 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 until you hear a voice from behind you, a voice you haven't heard in a long time, but that comes rushing back to you in a wave of warm familiarity, a voice go, Sitlali, I'm here to take you to the after, and you turn and you see Leaf. In the now, Mercy screams. She uses her action to dash all the way across the battlefield, hopping over crumbled rock, shredded shrubbery, craters, fallen trees, diving, 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 just running, sprinting, booking it until she arrives at the edge of the crater where Sitlali, her partner's body, lays broken, battered, bruised, and lifeless. And Voska, you see Mercy just fall to her knees in abject shock and fear. Grief not even registering yet. She's not letting it happen. She's touching Sitlali's body, like trying to wake her, trying to rouse her. Her her hands becoming red, turning crimson with every passing second from the puncture wounds that mar Sitlali's body. And she's going, no, no. No, 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 no. Sitali, hey, hey, this isn't funny. Wake up, okay? Wake up, wake up. Uh, uh. And she tears like a strip of cloth armor off from her body 
and starts like like staunching the bleeding, right? Like doing a medicine check, essentially. She's like staunching the bleeding, like, no, 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 no. And is like pulling Sitlali's like arms gently, like closer to her body, like trying to arrange Sitlali's corpse in a more dignified fashion. No, hey, 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 wake up, Sitlali, hey, hey, it's me. All right, just open your eyes, okay? Open your, open your, Vasca, do something! Bosca's dance, like, stopped immediately as Lali's body crumpled upon the ground with that sickening crunch. As soon as that sound snapped into the dirt, so did her foot slam. And as Mercy runs in bullet time towards Lali, there's a fraction of a second where Vosca is stunned, silent, but seeing the grief, seeing the pained expression on Mercy, she slides down over next to Lali and like gently putting, like cupping uh, Lali's uh, face in her hands, attempting to pull at the threads of her soul magic, obviously, futilely. But you, but Mercy hears this kind of like soft whimper of a whisper as she like pulls and pulls and it almost visualizes as like a golden thread, almost like the last tethers of Salali's soul just before it leaves. And it looks like Vasca is about to cast a spell soul cage to capture it to try and resume the healing, but it flutters off. And just like that string of fate from Disney's Hercules, it turns black. It shatters and cracks and disintegrates into dust. And Vosca falls into greater terror. She tries again, like healing and and trying to like tether to the rest of your of your tea because it's it's energy energy should stay even after moments of death she's pulling and pulling and pulling and it's failing and the whimpered whispers of no turn louder no 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 salali salali no 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 she's going she's going what do you what do you what do you mean she's going what do you you're 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 a paragon. Br- bring her back. I'm trying, Mercy. I'm trying. Well, try harder. You don't think I am? <laughs> no, no, I don't fucking think you are. J- br- pull her soul, the afters back, right? If this is so, you should just just reach, just go reach into the after and and and, and bring her soul and and just stuff it back in her body now. Just do it. I think. Vosca, like, when Mercy says that, like, bring her soul to the after, that bit, that is when you see the gold thread disintegrate. And it falls into, and because it's like a long thread going to miles and miles up into the heavens, and it just falls, like, snapping upwards, and it falls like debris and ash upon Vasca's fingers on top of her hands, staining her white hair, staining Mercy's clothing with the ashes of her soul. What, what, what is that? What? 
What is that? What was that? What? What did you did, did you do something? Is she is she back? Sidali? Sidali? Hey, hey! What? What was that? What? What is that? And for the first time, Mercy sees a Voska head low, palms holding a pot of fistful of ash. And she looks up at Mercy, her hands trembling. She's in the after. Her no. thread is. And just looks at the dust. And you see, like, it just keeps falling. It's like a rain of ash continuously staining more and more of no, Vasca's no, no, white hair. No, 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 no. And Mercy is, like, reaching forward, trying to grab this dust, right? Mm -hmm. Like, staining her own hands kind of black. But there's so much of it. And the wind's, like, blowing it away. And she's just desperately, like, grabbing at it and, like, scooping it off the ground and trying to hold it onto her hands. But it just filters past her fingers. No, 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 no. You did this. You. You, you, you. I saw what you did. You brought her here. You put her into this position with that rope dart. You were taking Mercy. her if she wasn't. No, 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 no. If, if it weren't, if it weren't for you, if she wasn't, if she hadn't been standing there, if it hadn't. You killed Mercy. her. You killed I, her. I did not kill you. Sinali. You you killed her. As soon as Mercy says you killed her, a storm of ice and snow erupts from around Vaska, a sleet of snow as I imagine that as as Mercy is running and trying to grab mercilessly, futilely at the fallen debris of ashes, and Vaska is still kind of like cradling Salali's body upon her her lap, her fingers at her sternum, and just holding Salali's face in their lap. And Mercy says that this whip of ice begins to build around, billowing around Vasca's scales, her ice, her hair turning into strands and strands of frost. And in that moment, the rope dart launches, swinging and spinning past Mercy, inches from her face into the bark of a tree. <laughs> okay, big girl, you wanna go? You wanna fucking go? And Mercy is screaming and sobbing at the same time, and she draws her sword. What is your armor class? Well, it wasn't 16 because Salali's dead now. So 14, it doesn't take very much. In total, you take 40 points of slashing damage uh, as Mercy just rushes at you and she is she is attacking you to kill you. Like, she's not holding back. Uh, she is just slashing, like, with both hands on this massive greatsword, slashing down at you once, twice, just across the chest, like, forming like an X. Slashes, slashes, blood spurts. She lifts up, because now you're, like, within melee brawling range. And 
damn, her, I mean, that's, she knows how to use that sword, right? She knows exactly how to cut and it's just pure. There's nothing magical about it. It is pure brute strength and force. And she lifts up a boot and tries to kick you in the chest as like her, her last thing. So make a strength save. With my minus one to strength, I love this. Holy shit, what? I rolled a nat 20. So nice. 19, but a nat 20. <laughs> <laughs> so a 19. Uh, you know what? I'll give it to you because it's a nat 20. Um, she lifts her foot up to try to kick you in the chest and tell me how you like hold your ground. Oh, Can Mercy make a constitution saving throw for me? <gasps> Against what? Her con's pretty good. 18. She's got a liver of steel. Are you fucking kidding me? That's a 17. <laughs> Shit. I think Mercy's foot raises to kick Vasca, and when it's literally this far away from her chest, her entire body freezes. And Oka, who is standing there, some 30 feet away, white knuckle gripping Dream Hunter, gold tears pouring down their face. And anywhere a tear touches, it leaves behind these bone-like scales that drip down their throat as their hair has turned into a mane, which lifts like it has its own gravity. And the little nubbin horns have turned long and raked back up over their head into full antlers as their throat is now coated with these scales and their face, their mouth is almost split open, like longer and dragon-like almost, as they're just standing there watching. And it doesn't even look like they're moving or do anything, but their fist is clenched in this, it's just clenched and there's this tiny tremble going over their entire body. And Connie, I also failed that role, and I would like to answer the question, what hidden weakness slips? The hidden weakness is that without their friends, without the people they know and love, they have no idea who they are. And now that they have no idea who they are, they're nothing. And Oka's eyes flick over to you, Vasco. You said your AC is a 14? Y'all might kill me. It's gonna be great. So this is unhinged. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. I rolled a 16 to hit with Dream Hunter. Mm-hmm. And Connie, if you remember in Arc 3, Oka used Dream Hunter to shunt Scod and Nectus out of Kane's body. Oh and my god. I want to try to grab Nipusa. Okay, I want the two of you to roll me a d20 flat. What'd you get, Bosca? I rolled a 19. Oh, I rolled an 18. <gasps> oh. <gasps> okay. I love this it for us. I do. I think what that means, because it's so close, is you shove Dream Hunter through Vasca's sternum. 
It doesn't deal any physical damage, but Vasca, you feel something horrific. You feel the strands of your soul that connect you to the god shard of Nebuza within your body sever. Uh, and it's sort of like having a hole ripped out through the center of your sternum as Nebuza gets... You don't take Nebuza with your 18, but Nebuza does destabilize from Vasca and start to shunt out of like the back of Vasca's body. But you don't grab it yet with your 18. You approach Vasca and I imagine in Mercy's rage and violence upon Vasca. Vasca has not let go of Silali. They are holding them close and would have been potentially kicked away from Silali had the kick connected. But right now they are like hunched over them and does not see the Tzilian version of Oka approach them from behind. And as you stab Vasca through the chest, there is a scream of two voices, as I th I'd like to imagine a humanoid visage of Nibusa emerges from the wound at the chest that you have created in her sternum, and they both kind of ripple out the scream in unison, her arching her back, her chest out, but she's still holding on to Silali and she finally enduring all of the attacks she has bleeding upon the ground her blood turning into ice turns round and looks at you Oka with this look of I don't know pained worry for you and not herself and as she's doing that with Dreamweaver at her chest, she holds onto it with her own hands and keeps you there, keeps the blade in her. Oka's still crying, almost softly dips their head forward, almost to like brush their cheek against yours as they tether the blood turning into ice on the ground with their own with Sitlali's Connie, I'm gonna do something batshit right now I would like to use the spell Borrowed Knowledge to call upon Shuhai Miao and Shuhai Miao's power specifically Shuhai Miao's power in this place to turn back time powered by the pain of a paragon and a god shark and two paragons i mean your pain and my pain two paragons damn dewey's fucking chilling fuck okay dewey come over here and get stabbed <laughs> okay okay oh no this is what happens Time, space, reality, shatter. We see cracks, like lightning bolts, furious, violent, unforgiving, 
spider web across everyone's perception of reality. Within the void of each crack, glimmering, we see a different place, a different time, a different possibility, a different vision of what could have been, what was, what shall be, and what shall never become. Dewey, we start with you. From your perspective, as reality cracks, you see, I think, two paths laid out before you across two separate panes of glass. To your left, shimmering, you see the path you've already taken. You see Uwilani on the threshold of your home, swaddling a newborn, drenched in water, right? The sound of rain pounding against the tin roof. And you see yourself, your back to yourself, take this baby. And then your gaze is drawn to another reality where Uwilani and Hana aren't there. It's just you working on your inventions in a workbench. And you see accolades lining the walls where uh, Hana's little baby drawings used to line. And you see like so many trophies, so many rewards, uh, certificates of people protected, lives saved, inventions created. This reality where you feel now a failure of both a parent and an inventor and a paragon and a reality where perhaps your family never existed in the first place where things perhaps could have been different. And I think you feel yourself being pulled in two different directions. Which path do you take? I think the the different reality, the one in which his family doesn't exist, pulls at him for a moment. A moment longer than he would like to admit. Um, but he thinks back to his family, his wife and his daughter and how he abandoned them and how he can't bring himself to abandon them again by erasing them and so he jerks to the right um, even though it hurts to think about and it hurts to remember but he turns his back on the fake reality Mm. As you turn and embrace what's happened, right? It's like it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. You see the cracks around you just disappear. It gets gobbled up, wiped away by the widening of this one. And you see your own back get wider and wider and wider until poof, you are yourself. And you see what is happening. You're back on the battlefield, I think, in full clarity. You see Oka having stabbed Voska through the chest, spider webs, right, in four dimensions, just whipping out up into the heavens, up through objects and people. Time here almost seems to be frozen, and the only person who can move appears to be you. What do you do? I have no idea what's going to happen to Oka and Voska and Mercy. Um, but I know that I have to be there with them, and I can't just let Sitlali's body abandoned on the side of the battlefield. Uh, so I I make a run for Sitlali's body, and using using Forge, the Furnace of Freedom, my Paragon weapon, you see Dewey reach into this jar at his hip, and he pulls out what looks like a ball of light, and then it splits into two, 
um, and they form these two glowing metal bands. You watch as he puts them on Sitlali's motionless body, and he's dragging Sitlali's unconscious body with these dimensional shackles on them towards the rest of the party, because he can't bear to be for the two of them to be alone without the rest of them. Mm, I really like that. Yeah, you place these shackles upon like Sitlali's limbs, trying to like root her to this reality, like trying to pull her closer to where everyone is fighting each other. And I think we're going to pan up to Vasca. And as we push up into your face, that's like full of these like tears, blood, frost, we see from your perspective also, I think, um, hmm, two paths. One of them is connected to Sitlali, especially as Dewey clamps these uh, bands around, let's say, Sitlali's like, wrists. You see a possibility fracture open. You see the glowing multicolored tendril of a memory of Sitlali's soul reaching out into the white misty expanse of the after. And you know, for some reason, it failed earlier, but it might work now. You could probably reach out to her and try to pull her back. You intuitively understand there's a choice here. If you just reached out and tried, perhaps you could pull onto that thread. Perhaps it's not too late. Perhaps you could bring Sitlali back from the after. Whatever Dewey's done with the shackles, whatever Oka has done by cracking reality open, bleeding the planes together, maybe this would, maybe it's not too late. And then you feel another tug off to the past. And you feel Atalanta. You see her. A pane of glass shattered. You see Atalanta in the process of fighting bloodthirst. Uh, you see this lith, like black furred Felis man who's just sparking with god energy, like god and Nectis ricocheting through his body. And he has somehow disarmed Atalanta and has her golden trident in his hand. This is happening in the throne room of Nabal. And she, he has kicked her like against her own throne and she's like fallen and sat down into it. She's in the middle of getting up and you see Bloodthirst like hawking like the trident back about to deal the killing blow down at her. These are your choices. What decision do you make? I imagine that these choices are manifesting as threads of a tapestry slowly begin to knot together, creating fabrics of reality into images. Even though time and space is nebulous, it feels like she only has one second, a fraction of a second, to make this choice as the threads tighten around each other, creating a reality. And to the left, she sees her love, the blades upon the trident poised to slam right into her torso to pin her upon the throne of the champion of Nabal, her falter, her fall imminent. And Vasca's left foot almost steps towards it, but then she sees a moment of the thread tethering of a broken mercy, of a weeping mercy, 
of a future without Salali, a broken Oka, and a broken future. And Vaska looks back at her love. Time moving slowly like molasses falling off a precipice, and she steps towards that iridescent thread of Silali and tugs it with her long, lithe fingers, gently in her hand like cradling a baby bird. Time to come home. But as soon as she says that, Vaska looks at Atlanta as time begins to return to normal speed and the threads are now solidified and tightened and weaved into this tapestry and that attack goes through slamming into Atalanta's midsection pinning her into the throne as she screams in pain and in that split moment Vasca's eyes widen as she holding onto Salali's be almost like a beating heart in her hands falls to her knees and screams and weeps no and the reality has solidified as you see Atalanta die when you could have saved her the reality that you've chosen Sitlali's soul, I think, widens. Just sort of like what happened with Dewey. That reality just grows big, consumes everything else, wipes away bloodthirsts, vicious smile, his blood-flecked black fur, wipes away Atalanta's face twisted in grief and pain and rage, wipes it all away. Until the fractures, I think, spindle off and disappear from the periphery of your vision, and you pull that thread back we go to Sitlali. Sitlali, you look into the eyes of Leaf Dream Eye. A prophet, a caster, a diviner of the Raven Queen who taught you almost everything you knew about magic once upon a time. I don't think I've ever described her. So here we go. She is a brown-skinned fearbolg with these sort of like long kind of tapered cow-like ears that sort of like droop past, I think, these low cheekbones and like kind of like a round and chubby face. And she's got this like thick kind of like coiffed brownish whitish hair. Uh, and I think some like patches of fur on her arm, like her her skin is like shot through, I think, with some like some tangles, some hair, some fur, some some beard work. Uh, and she's got these like big, bright black eyes that always somehow always reminded you of Raven's eyes. And her nose is sort of like broad and I think pink uh, and kind of like wet, right? All the time in like a really like dewy, uh, approachable way. And she has these like soft, full lips and she's draped in this sort of like feathery armor with like a feathery pauldron on one shoulder and her other arm is like completely bare and she wears these like uh, bracers, leather bracers on her forearms and like a sash, a green sash tied around her waist, a dark green one and like this like black and gray robe rippling down. She looks at you and you look at her 
You weren't supposed to die. All of us die. Eventually. Sitlali? You know what I mean. You mean it wasn't my time? Yeah. <sighs> that, perhaps, is true. Perhaps it's not your time, either. But the Raven Queen... Fate has greater plans for all of us. I don't think she's as infallible as we thought she was. Leaf, this apparition, mirage, memory, echo, spirit, ghost of Leaf, tilts her head to the side when you say that. Sitnali, are you doubting again? Did I ever really stop? No, I don't think so. But that's not a bad thing. That was always one of your strengths. The ability to ask questions that everyone else was too scared to ask. So where... So this is... This is the after? One of them. This is a threshold into an after. There's not just one after. Everyone's after is different, Sitlali. And this is mine? Not yet. You'll have to come with me first. But death isn't scary, I promise. It's familiar. It's a friend. And she, like, holds her hand out to you. I've missed you, Sitlali. I have, uh, gotten into quite a bit of trouble since last we met. <laughs> You'll have to tell me all about it. And I think Sitlali takes Leaf's hand and says, like, kind of leans in, What if we both went back somehow? Back? Yeah. That's not right, Sitlali. We had our time. Now we move on. Did you know Rev is back? Leaf blinks, her big, dewy black eyes. Rev? Oh, you mean Mist. Well, yes. Yes. She's not here in the after with me. She stayed. She came back. She was unable to move on. To let go. But her existence... Her existence, Sitlali, is one of grief and pain and rage and fury. So is mine 90% of the time, so is there really a difference? Of course there is. You can choose peace now, Sitlali. You don't have to fight anymore. The world is going to end, Leaf. Eventually, all things end. Well, yes, of course. Yes, I forgot that you do this, and I forgot that I still find it annoying. Um, we can stop. So there are different afters. Yes. Can I visit someone else's before I go to my own? This is very like you, Sitlali. Always trying to probe, find different possibilities not commit to a major. 
Perhaps you may. There are things to do in the afters, but you have to cross the threshold first. And once you cross the threshold, going back to the now is never a peaceful and painless process. And you always leave something behind. Little in the now is peaceful or painless, Leaf. Leaf cocks her head to the side again, looking at you. You. Sidlali. And I think she, this entire time, her hand has been outstretched, waiting for you to take it, and she mm-hmm. pulls it back. You're not my Sitlali, are you? Of course I am. I'm your shining star. There is no other one. I mean, you are not of this time. Who? What? Who are you? What's happened I'm, to you? I'm the same Sitlali that you left. There's just a little older. Different about you. Threads of emptiness running from your mouth into your soul. What is that? I am the same, Sitlali. Just a little worse for wear. You've been Um, touched by something. something I don't recognize. A presence. An oblivion. What? What is that? It's it. My shining star. I'm sorry. I cannot let you pass into your after. You cannot bring that here. It's too then, dangerous. Then what happens to me? Oh, Sitlali. Leave what happens to me? My beautiful starlight, I am so sorry. Leave what happens to me. I wish I could help. Perhaps I can. Leave? You... You will be trapped forever between the now and the after in a state of non-existence, forever unable to witness, to act, unable to die, or to live. Sitlali... Don't be scared. I... I am so sorry, Sitlali. What the fuck are you talking about? I... I cannot let you pass into the after until... We didn't learn about this in training. I never wished to scare you. Did you know this was a thing that could happen? It... never does. It doesn't... I never thought this was never a possibility. I... Does this happen to other people? No. Never. Inside check. Uh, okay, go for it. Make an inside check against your mentor's ghost. It's a natural 19, uh, so 29. She's telling the truth. You ascertain that what she's saying to you about what will happen to your soul if it's not allowed to go to the after and not allowed to go back to the now is a theory, is a hypothetical of what she thinks would happen. The truth of it could be much better or much worse. I, I, your friend in the now, perhaps they could help, perhaps, perhaps. And I think she's like looking at you with a kind of like impotent, Desperation, like she wants so bad to help you, to to 
like she's not doing this on purpose. The only reason she would not admit you into the after is if she thought it would actually fuck everything up for everyone else. And she looks like mm -hmm. so torn. And on her saying, per perhaps looking up at you, you feel something tugging at your sternum backward towards something material. You feel for the first time, I think, an actual tangible sensation uh, beginning to wrap itself around the interiority of your soul. And this, of course, is what we know as Vasca starting to pull that thread of your soul back. And Leaf seeing you, oh, good, good. That branch of the river won't happen today, and I hope it will never happen again. Follow that feeling blooming in your chest, Sitlali. You have been given a second chance. Follow it, please. Okay. Um, I guess I'll see you next time. Next time? And I think, like, on her, like, quirk, like, kind of quizzical, uh, she gets cut off as you get pulled backward, and the last thing you see before you're pulled backward back into the now is not Leaf's face, but you see another, mm, another visage forming out of the mist as you're departing, right? Like, on the heels of you leaving, you see another soul in the after that's risen up to greet you, I think perhaps drawn to your presence, the face of joy. And then you are pulled back into the now. The last thing you saw, the visage of the lover you killed. Sitlali, as you're pulled back into your body and you gain, regain, I think, full awareness of pain is the first sensation that floods you. Just, oh my fucking God, just absolute agony. This is... This is the worst physical pain you've been in, I think, in your life. It is, it is bad. You're not doing, you're not doing well. Uh, you are fully unconscious, but starting to come awake, I think. Like, I don't think you're able to move in your current position, but I think we do kind of hear a rattling of breath as you draw air in and your chest begins to rise. But before anyone can respond to Silali coming back, Oka. We swing like around everyone else's like cracked open faces around this fractal time beginning to speed up to normalcy again. We swing across all of this, across Dewey's feathered head, across Vasca pulling that golden thread in, across Mer uh, Mercy still frozen, right? With her foot up, like about to kick Vasca in the face, uh, across Sitlali, <gasps> breathing breath back into her lungs. We swing across all of this and pull onto Oka onto, I think, the bone shards rhyming their way up your feet so you don't have to step on the ground, like up across these golden tears that stain scales into existence, bleeding across your skin, across this thick tuft of like fiery mane that's beginning to grow from your hair, like across your teeth that are distending, turning feral, turning primal, turning sharp and bestial into your eyes. And we see from your perspective, unlike everyone else, you don't get a choice, Oka. Because the only thing you see peppering into existence like terrible wisps of nightmares around you, the long, dark, shimmering, shaking fingers of bamboo. Emerald stalks just rising up, up, up all around you, past the cracks, past the shattered panes of reality, spiraling and fractaling around you. The smell 
of damp earth, mist, cloud, sweetness beginning to swirl around in your nostrils, the feeling of a breeze whipping past your skin, the gurgling of laughter? Laughter. Your sisters laughing. A nice summer breeze. The silent grove. And I think as these like tendrils of bamboo stalks begin to solidify around you, everyone else, because Dewey put the shackles on Sitlali and is like gathering everyone and trying to hold on to everyone, it's not just Oka that goes, it's all of you. And even as each of you see this reality beginning to stabilize around you, every single shattered piece coalesces into a javelin of bright electric light that shoots toward Oka. And I think we see a, a, a strand of like riotous, painful, shattered magic explode out of each of your chests, mercies included, and like web and I think shoot across and almost impale through Oka's like chest where we see that network of hardened scars already revealed. <laughs> One shoots from Vasca's chest outward like toward Oka and spears through them. One shoots out of Dewey's chest and spears through Oka. One shoots out of Mercy's spears through Oka. One shoots out of Sitlali spears through Oka. Can they form wings? Like wings draping out of their back behind them? Yes! And as each of these threads penetrate your chest and explode outward through your back, they turn into thin filaments of light that form astral wings, I think. Like, your fiery angel wings are replaced by wings of shattered reality. And as these wings explode open, the battlefield is wiped away by each, like, feather, right? By each limb of this wing and turns rippling across all of your perspectives into the silent grove the night Makoya Hien dies this episode of the second stranger was edited by Connie Chong Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Lyle and Peanut, Matt Sweeney, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scruffusus, and Target.